Hello, this is Jensen Franklin, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. Our goal is to provide you with biblically-based teachings that will challenge, inspire, and equip you to live for Jesus. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead and subscribe today to this podcast so you can get the latest updates from us and you don't ever have to miss a new message. Let's go right into the service, recorded at Free Chapel. I believe it's gonna bless you today. The Bible talks about when we speak that we're supposed to edify the body of Christ. And I feel like the word and the message that he has given me today is going to edify the body of Christ. And so if you have your Bibles, if you turn with them with me um, to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, and we're gonna start reading from there. This is Paul um, in the Bible who's writing this letter in Corinthians. And he said, for I am the least worthy of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I at one time fiercely oppressed and violently persecuted the church of God. But by the remarkable grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not without effect. Some versions say it was not in vain. In fact, I worked harder than all of the apostles, though it was not I, but the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing, which was with me. I wanna talk to you for a few minutes today on don't waste your grace. Grace is something that we talk about a lot. We sing about a lot. Amazing Grace is probably one of the most well-known hymns that I could start singing right now, and I think everybody would probably know the song. But grace is not just a teaching. It's not just a doctrine in the Word of God. Grace is a person. Grace is Jesus embodied. Grace is a gift freely given through the cross. We were just singing about it. It's not anything that I have done, but by the grace of God. Grace takes what should disqualify us, our greatest mistakes, our greatest weaknesses, and it qualifies us. How? Well, Paul talked about this again. He talked about the thorn in his side, the thing that just tormented him. And he asked God multiple times to take it away, and God didn't. In fact, God responded with this scripture in 2 Corinthians. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The Amplified Version of the Bible says it this way, and I like it. For my power is being perfected and is completed, and it shows itself most effectively in your weakness. When we give God our weakness, his power in and through our lives is made perfect and most effective. God never intends to save you and then leave you where you are. It's not about, you'll hear my dad say this all the time, it's not about do, do, do. This is not a message where I'm saying in any way, shape, or form, we need to add anything to the cross for it to be the completed work. That's not right. That's not what I'm saying. Grace is not do, do, do. Grace is done, done, done. It's a gift that is freely accessible and well able to come to wherever you are. Grace means all of your mistakes now serve a purpose instead of serving your shame. Grace is God's unmerited favor. 
And God's favor is not achieved. God's favor is received from a heavenly father who absolutely adores you. You could never be any more or any less loved by God than you are right now. None of your actions, nothing that you could do, nothing that you could help could make you any more loved or any less loved. None of your mistakes by God than you are right now. Grace is not an insurance policy to go and live however you would like. Grace gives us responsibility. The Bible tells us that in Titus chapter two and verse 12, it says this, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. He knew what age that you and I would be living in. He knew what our world would look like. And he said, I'm going to give you a teaching grace that will allow you to live separately, to live set apart, to look differently than any and everything that's happening around you. Paul said, his grace towards me was not in vain. Did Paul understand that it is possible to receive the full gift of grace, yet waste the benefits and the power that it provides in and through your life? That's what I wanna to talk to you about today. Making sure that we don't waste our grace. God's been too good to me. He's been too kind to me. He's been too gracious to me for me to waste what he's given me. I think about the woman at the well in John chapter four. And this woman, she had been married five times and she was living with number six. And now we hear that and maybe it's not too far off from what's happening in our culture and what's expected, but especially in Bible times for a woman to have been married five times and living with number six would have meant that she would have been the lowest of low in society. The Bible makes sure that they mention in John chapter four that she came to a well to fetch water for herself and she did it at noon. The significance of that is women in the Bible likely would have gone to the well to fetch water for their family in the morning, in the cool of the day, and they would have gone together for protection. She went alone at noon in the heat of the day, but she ran into a man named Jesus who was waiting for her there. And she kind of gets into this interaction with him and they go back and forth on who's going to pull up some water. And he tells her, if you knew who was asking you for water, you'd be asking me for a drink. And she says, you don't even have anything to pull water up. And he says this, he said, Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. But the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, satisfying his thirst for God. I love this, welling up continually flowing, bubbling within him to eternal life. She met a man at the well and the grace and the love 
that he showed her. He told her, I know you've been married five times. I know you're living with number six. I know everything there is to know about you. I know your deepest, darkest thoughts. I know your greatest insecurities. I know how people have treated you. I know you. And the Bible says she was so radically changed by that kind of love and grace and acceptance that she went running back to the village and she said, come, come and see. You have to come and see this man who knew everything about me. He has to be the Messiah, the Savior. A man named Jesus, a man named Grace. Grace told her all about her, her greatest mistakes, her greatest insecurities, the things that other people shamed her for. And he said, I want you. Grace knows everything about you, the things that you don't let anybody else know. And he still wants you. In a Southern home, if you grew up in the South, you hear this a lot. And I think this is what the woman at the well got a hold of. Um, it's usually grandmothers, and my grandmother's sitting right here on the second row, so I'm not going to talk bad about her. But usually she, she, when she cooks, it's a feast. I mean, it's not normal how much food that she makes. There doesn't need to be 18 different types of meat, but she does what she does, okay? And we let her do it, and we pile our plates high as a volcano, and usually all the young people sit down, and we start stuffing our face, and you'll hear, have you said grace? Obviously not. Face is full of food right now. But I want to ask you today, when's the last time that you said grace? When's the last time that you told someone about your Jesus? When's the last time that you let someone know that grace has so radically and drastically changed your life that you can't keep it to yourself anymore? Have you said your grace lately? Have you thought, thanked the Lord for what he's done in your life? Have you considered how good and how kind he is that you cannot keep it to yourself? We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, and we keep our testimony to ourselves. Stop wasting your grace. I think that it's miraculous that if you see that she, she, she goes back to the town, this town that would, they wouldn't even go to the well with her. And the Bible says that in verse 30, so the people left the city and were coming to him. And if you skip to verse 39, the Bible says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. When's the last time someone was so compelled by you to come to church? When's the last time that you haven't wasted your grace on any and everyone that's around you and told them about this man named Jesus. When she met Jesus, he so completely destroyed her shame and guilt, she went running back to the town and they believed her transformation so much that they followed her back. Her testimony led others to Jesus. I love 
that in verse 14, the Bible says, the water that I'm gonna give you, you don't ever have to drink from again. It's living water, Jesus called it. But if she had the ability to drink the living water and to never thirst again, then why was it necessary for him to put a well inside of her? Why was it necessary for her to be bubbling over, continually overflowing with this grace and this love and this testimony of everything that he was gonna give her? Because she was never meant to keep him to herself. She was meant to go back to where she came from and tell them about Jesus. See, because Jesus says, come to me. That's the first step. That's all you have to do. But he said, and I will make you. It doesn't end with you coming to him. He intends to make you into fishers of men, into people who impact the world. But he can't do it if we stay silent. That's our choice. That's what we get to decide to do, whether we want to use the grace that we've been given to tell others about him. He gave her grace with the expectation of overflow. Is there overflow in your life? Are you giving more people Jesus? Or are you just coming down and showing up every single Sunday and give me, give me, give me that Franklin Jensen better have a word for me. I need him. I need it. I need it. Somebody better have spent some time in this book this week because I'm not going to make it if he doesn't have it for me. But that was never what this was intended to be. This should be a shot in the arm every week. This is your constant living water. Sowing into other people, telling other people about Jesus, inviting them into this place. That is the well. That is the spring that can come. Don't waste your grace. You were never meant to wallow in self-pity for the rest of your life. He picked you up. He healed you. He set you free. Tell people about it. Stop telling them about your problems. Stop telling them about your past. Stop telling them about everything that happened to you. If it doesn't end with this happened, this happened, and this happened, but ooh, I want you to meet my Jesus who healed it all, who let me know that he had a plan for me, who let me know that he wasn't done with me yet, who let me know that I've been chosen before the foundations of the earth were even here. He thought about me. Or do you just talk about the issues and what's been done to you? And I'm not trying to say that what's been done to you has not been wrong, but there is a testimony and there is someone waiting for you to say your grace. I refuse to waste my grace. I don't care if you guys enjoy it or not because I am not ashamed of what he's done for me. He picked me up. He turned me around. He put my feet on solid ground. I don't shake. I don't walk around in depression and in suicide all the time. I have been set free and I intend to live the rest of my life telling anyone and everyone, including all of you today, how much he loves you, how much grace there is for you to be able to come in and get. It is freely available for you today, right now. 
I love this story that we see it again in Paul and Silas. They were thrown in jail. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. In your midnight hour, when you're chained up, when nothing looks like it's going right, other prisoners are listening to you. Are you gonna choose to be silent or are you gonna choose to sing hymns to God? Are you gonna say, I'm like Paul, I'm not interested in wasting my grace and staying silent. I'm gonna open up my mouth. And the Bible says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking. At once, all the prison doors flew open. And notice, did Paul and Silas's chains just get broken? Nope. Everyone's chains came loose. How many people are waiting on you to open up your mouth in the middle of your hardship, in the middle of a dungeon, in the middle of your midnight, and praise the Lord so that their chains can fall off? This isn't just about you. This is about your children and your children's children, about the children who are in the schools that you teach in, about our communities, about our world. And we keep him to ourselves. We don't tell everybody. And I know I sound like a crazy woman, but that's okay. I'm all right with that. Come and see. Come and see, please. I want you to see my Jesus. I want you to see my kind friend. I'm desperate for it this morning. I know what he has for you. And if you're broken down, if you're hurting, if you're heartbroken, if you feel like you're on your last leg, he has rest and joy and peace for your soul. I know because he's given it to me and I refuse to waste my grace and stay silent about how good our God is. I, I intend to be just like the woman in Luke chapter seven that came in with her alabaster box. And they all said, what are you doing? You're wasting it. That alabaster box in Bible time would have been a year's worth of wages. And she came in, the Bible says she was a sinful woman. She came in and broke her alabaster box and poured it not on the head because she didn't feel she was worthy of the head of Jesus. She poured it on the feet of Jesus. She washed his feet, his filthy feet, with her tears and her hair. And they said, this woman's crazy. She's wasting it. You are never wasting your oil when you're pouring it out on the feet of Jesus. Jesus said, which are many? He said, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many? Jesus recognized she's got a whole lot of issues in her life, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same they love. I haven't been forgiven of a little. I don't know if there's anybody in this room. Maybe you're there. I cannot relate to you. I have been forgiven of so much. I do not deserve anything that he has given me. I don't deserve a husband who loves me. I don't deserve two beautiful children. I don't deserve the house that I have. I don't deserve the car that I drive. I don't deserve the breath in my lungs. He gave it to me. And so I'm gonna give it right back. And I'm going to love others with the same type of love that he has so graciously given to me. I haven't been given 
a little bit of love from him? Have you been given a lot of love from him today? Has he changed your whole world? Has he picked you up out of darkness? Maybe it's been a while since you've opened up your mouth and really thanked the Lord for what he's done in your life. You've been looking good. Some of you, you start just like those Pharisees. I've been living right for a long time. I've got my stuff on the outside together. Don't forget where he found you. Don't forget what you look like. Don't forget what you look like still some days, but you don't let everybody else see. Remember to open up your mouth and praise the Lord. Don't waste your grace. The New Testament has this theme that we are supposed to participate in the gospel. In other words, because each of us has a spiritual gift, we all have a role to play in God's kingdom. Matthew chapter five says this, you are the light of the world. He's talking about us, if you're wondering, the church. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Are you saved by your good deeds? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. But can your good deeds point you and people to Jesus? Absolutely they can. We live in some dark days, but we don't have to live in darkness because we have the light. We have the truth. We have everything this world needs, but we keep it to ourselves. just because the world gets loud, just because they say, oh, those Christians, they're talking bad about all the things that we enjoy. This book is the truth. We have it. We have every answer to every problem right here. We cannot afford to keep it to ourselves, church. We cannot afford. There are people dying and going to hell, and we're sitting here in our seats in a beautiful building that God has provided, but is it oozing and flowing out into the streets that we all took to get here today? Is it oozing and overflowing in your office space? Is it oozing and overflowing into your family and into your home? Because that was always the intention. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. They are trying to tell our children if they're born as girls, they're meant to be boys. And if they're boys, they can just decide they want to be girls. This is not hate. This is saying, I love you. This book says we were made male and female. He doesn't make mistakes. He thought about you from the beginning of time. When you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. He had plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Good plans of hope and a future. He has dreams for your life. He does not lie. You were fearfully and wonderfully made exactly how you are. I don't care what your parents said. I don't care what anybody's told you. This book, His Blood, speaks a better word. It speaks a better word. He has plans for you. I don't want to just get to heaven and be standing there by myself. 
I wanna look around at all the people who I've impacted, who I helped get there because I didn't waste my grace. First Peter 4 says this, be hospitable to, to one another without complaint. Just as each one of you has received a spiritual gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it to serve one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's, I love this, multifaceted grace. Faithful, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Multifaceted means this, having a variety of different and important features or elements. When I think about multifaceted, I think about the way that a diamond looks. It's got many faces, but it only reflects one light. Each of us is a different face of grace. That's why we can't waste it. Your life and your story is an expression of his grace that someone else needs. If you were set free from drugs and alcohol, you need to not waste your grace today. You need to show your face of grace to somebody and let them know if they're in the midst of an addiction, it's possible to be set free. It's possible for those chains to be broken off. It's possible for you to live in freedom again. If you battled with depression or suicide and anxiety and God's broken that off of you, I stand here today. I'll stand here today if nobody else. This is a face of grace. I was covered up at one time with suicide and depression. God has not left you. You are not alone. It is not hopeless. He has a plan for your life. He loves you. You're not forgotten. You are seen. Please see this face of grace. That's all I am to tell you. He has not forgotten about you. We're not meant to walk through life and not tell anybody about the goodness of God. And it doesn't always have to be a ministry. It doesn't always have to be this big thing. If you're a coach, if you're a teacher in your family with your children, don't waste your grace. I don't want to miss this. And this is something that it's kind of different, but I felt like God told me to do it. I can think of several faces of grace in this church. I think about Miss Connie Johnson. For 28 years, she's volunteered on that camera right back there. Every single week she shows up, every single week before any of you get here, Miss Connie, you have not wasted your grace. You've never preached a sermon, but when you've held that camera as my dad has bobbled all around this stage and you've followed him, you've sent the gospel to millions of people all around the world. You have not wasted your grace. I think about Mark Underwood, 28 years. He started here, now he's at the Gwinnett campus and he's training volunteers there and he's directing there. I think about David Orr, 20 plus years here at the church. I think about Tony Weaver out in the parking lot fighting cancer. But rain or shine, he's the first face that you see because God's been good to him and he's not willing to waste his grace. I think about Dewey Thomas downstairs in Kid Pack. None of you will know who these people are. God does. 
Someone will. They've made an impact on people's lives like mine. 30 years, while y'all sit up here in these nice seats, he's dealing with y'all's hooligans downstairs. Mine included. I'm sorry. Mark Loggins, David Collins, Mr. Jim Lewis, ushers that have to deal with y'all coming into a Christmas production, asking for 18 seats with three minutes before the show starts, and then cussing them out when they don't have it. I'm just gonna, just Christmas is coming. Y'all show up early if you want 58 seats, okay? And stop being mean to our volunteers. Anyways, I don't know where that was. Thank you. I think about it, the Midtown campus, Wendell Levister. He started here at this campus, and now he serves as an SOD teacher on the altar team for over 12 years. I think about Darren Schombert and the coming campus. He's an usher. He works in the youth. He's served in Kid Pack over 24 years. Brazelton campus, I think about Chad Bingham. He's worked in the altar for over 13 years. None of these people want you to see their face. They didn't know I was going to do this. But they haven't wasted their grace. They show up no matter what's happening in their family, no matter what's going on in their marriage, and they serve this house. Walter and Sigrid Azorio. Translating, if, you, if there's anybody in here who's listening to me on a translation device today, for 19 years they've sat down in a closet downstairs and listened and re-preached sermons to people sitting in this room through the Spanish translation. They have not wasted their grace. I think about the thousands of volunteers that it takes to put things on like forward our food pantries and giving out food that we do twice a month to this community. We don't ask for anybody to give anything in return for Divine Conference. Over a thousand volunteers at Forward. Our youth camp that's happening right now. I'm going up there to preach tonight. Over a hundred volunteers with y'all's crazy teenagers. Did y'all enjoy your sleep last night? I bet they didn't. I was a camper at youth camp once. I think about, and I thought about this specific family. I want to read this verse of scripture. I think about Demetrius Bird. He works on our backs, our backstage crew, and you'll see him. He walks out every Sunday usually and puts this pulpit right here for my dad to preach out of. His daughter, Hannah, works downstairs in our media ministry. She runs lyrics, runs scripture. She's at youth camp right now. His wife, Deborah, right out at that front desk almost every single week. His son, Gabe, is on our photography team because he refused to waste his grace. Now his children and his whole family is serving in this house. And when I think about Demetrius, when I think about all of that, there's hundreds and thousands of people. And understand, we can't keep doing these, these campuses and spreading the gospel if we don't have people like this. Because most of them, they started right here, but we're able to, to implant them out and send them out and go and do these things 
because they're faithful and they're here. If you can't, you feel stuck, if you feel in a rut, if you feel like, uh, I don't know how to get involved, we have a place for you here. You can find your fit, you can find a place here, and I promise you, when you begin to serve other people, your life will truly find meaning. When you begin to share the grace that God has given to you with others around you, your life becomes more about legacy and impact than if you just keep it to yourself. I want to read this scripture. In 2 Corinthians, the Bible says this, working together with him because we're co-laborers with Jesus. This is not just about me, me, me. If you want to live a fulfilling life, it's about others. He says this in verse three, we put no obstruction in anyone's path so that ministry will not be, so our ministry will not be discredited, but we commend ourselves in every way as servants of God, in great endurance, in suffering, in hardships, in distress, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in labors, in sleepless nights, in hunger, in purity and sincerity, in knowledge and spiritual insight, in patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in speaking the word of truth in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand, like holding the sword to attack, and for the left hand, like holding a shield to defend amid glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, branded as deceivers yet vindicated truthful. I love this. As unknown to the world, yet well known by God and his people. As dying, yet we live. As punished, yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing as poor yet bestowing riches on many, as having nothing yet possessing absolutely everything. What a legacy. Will you stand to your feet in this room today? What can I do so that one day, is this the kind of grace that I'm showing to Amelia and Elliot? This was the kind of grace that was shown to me my whole life by my parents. That on the good days, we were here. And on the days where I didn't think that it was possible for my dad to get up and give out of such a painful, hurting place, he still did, but not because of himself, but by the grace of God. That's the example that I've seen. That's the example that I beg God to allow me to be. I want to be a stepping stone for my children to get to Jesus and not a stumbling block for them to have to overcome. I want them to see when mama was in pain, when mama was distressed, when mama had sleepless nights, when her heart was broken, she still ran to the house of God. She didn't waste her grace. She chose on the good days and on the bad to declare that Jesus is Lord, that he has still been good. Even when my heart is broken, he's still good. He's still faithful. He's still kind. 
That's the kind of lesson. That's the kind of legacy. That's the kind of generational impact that each of us can make today. I really want to say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, make sure you click on the subscription button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people when you comment, when you give us your feedback. For more messages and inspirational materials, download the Jensen Franklin app, or you can head over to jensenfranklin.org. I want to thank all of you who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.